If you want to be successful and confident in the decisions you're making in the dairy business, there's one tool I want to share with you today that will help you move forward. It's helped me in my business to gain more focus and clarity. It's helped make decision making easier. It saved me time and money, and it could do that for you too. Whether the dairy farm is your business or you are a dairy advisor with a book of business, I'm sharing with you today a template for clarifying your long-term vision and then identifying the strategic actions to get you where you want to be. This is the Uplevel Dairy Podcast for dairy farm owners, managers, and advisors who are committed to profitability, sustainability, and excellence. My name is Peggy Coffeen, and it's my mission to bring you the conversations that will uplevel your skill set and your mindset so you can be a top performer in the dairy business. A few weeks ago, I facilitated a panel for the National Milk Producers Federation Young Cooperators Group at the World Dairy Expo, where I invited three young cooperative members to do an exercise with me that I do for my own business, and that was to complete a template that answered eight key questions based on the Vision Traction Organizer from the book Traction by Gina Wickman. You can find the link to these trademarked resources in the show notes. Now, taking the time to really think about these eight questions provides the basics of a strategic plan for your business. And I get it. It can be really hard sometimes to pull yourself away from the busyness of the day to get your thoughts out of your head and onto paper. But I believe it will provide you with a directional tool and compass for your daily actions that will move your dairy farm or your dairy business forward by giving you and your team clarity on your bigger picture goals. Hone in on a focus for faster and easier decision making and outline the places to spend your time most efficiently and effectively to meet your goals. The three dairy farmers who presented their own answers to these eight questions included Laura Rotz from Wagner Farms in O'Connell Falls, Wisconsin, Paul Lippert from Grass Ridge Farms in Pittsville, Wisconsin, and Nathan Weiss from Weiss Dairy Farm in West Rosendale, Wisconsin. So how did these three young producers define their core values and their core focus? Where did they say they see their business in 10 years? What's their marketing strategy? What do they see as the greatest threats to their business? And what are they focusing on in the next 90 days, in the next one year? And what do they see their business looking three years from now so that they could create the future they want for themselves and their dairy farms? That's what we're going to find out. Let's hear first from Laura Rotz, herd manager at her family's 950 cow dairy farm, Wagner Farms Incorporated, and what she shared with a room full of NMPF young cooperators at the World Dairy Expo. So before I get started, I think it's really important to note that when we go through our core values and some of the things that are a part of that traction wheel today, it's important to understand that this is how we do it or this is what we apply to our dairy. And I think all too often we get put into that spectrum of comparing ourselves to the farm down the road or the person next to us. So make sure that you really focus on what you can do to apply those core values to your life or to your farm or your marriage or in the industry and not so much on how we do it or um, what we have written down on our slides. So for our core values on our farm, first and foremost is thankfulness. And so my dad and I did some missionary work in foreign countries. And so that completely changed our life and how we go about our daily life, not only personally, but also in our business. And so we feel it's really important to make sure that we have an attitude of gratitude and we're really applying that thankfulness culture to our dairy and to our farm. And then fun, you gotta enjoy what you do, and so we try to make it a big part of our day to make sure that we are having fun, 
there's a lot of laughter and a lot of crazy things that go on so that we're enjoying each day with each other. And you all know when you work with family, sometimes things can get a little bit rough. So making sure you have fun and enjoy what you do is important. Clean, I think we're maybe a little bit over anal about being clean. My mom manages most of the lawn care and farm cleaning. So we want everything to be spotless. So that's a big part of our culture. And then integrity, honesty, and dedication. That's a big thing that we try to pull in during our onboarding program with our employees and just a really important part of our business. So for Core Focus, these three things are actually our farm motto and things that we try to live out each and every day on our farm. So first and foremost, people. We feel people are the most valuable thing on this planet. And so we want to make sure that anybody that steps foot on our farm feels that way too. Whether it's our family members, our team members, consumers, consultants, vendors, anybody that steps foot on our farm, we want to make sure that they feel valued and that they feel that they, or that they know that they're a huge part of our farm's success. Secondly, animals. And that's my area, so I'm really passionate about that but taking care of our animals and we want to make sure that people understand they're more than just making milk and giving us money and if we don't take care of them to the best of our ability we will not be a successful farm so that's a huge priority for us and then lastly environment uh, so we not only want to take care of the land that feeds our animals but we also want to invest in our community and you'll hear me talk about that quite a bit because we are a dairy business and the people that surround our dairy business still play a huge role in that and so we want to make sure that they stay connected with our farm. So for a 10 year target, I would say overall I would hope to be in the dairy business 10 years from now, farming alongside more so my brother and my husband. But I think one of the biggest things that we always try to focus on is making sure we're trying to continually push profitability, but also finding new ways to be profitable. And new ways more so, not just focusing on size or expansion or how we can be the biggest dairy farm, but how we can do our job better with what we have now. And so some examples of that. So we're pretty big on setting goals on our dairy farm, but also as a family, personally, and in our marriage. And so we need to understand that a lot of times when we set those goals, whether it's personal goals, marital goals, business goals, we need to make sure that we understand that those goals could also in fact affect our farm team. So we need to also keep that in mind. So I came back to the farm in 2012. And so when I came back to the farm, I was passionate about running the calves and the cat program that I had going on. And so when I came back to the farm, one of my goals was to be able to raise our own heifers. So we've been sending our heifers to a custom raiser for the last 31 years. And so I wanted to bring our heifers back home and be able to manage that area. And so just recently, based on some financial things, we would analyze that about every two to three years. And there's a lot of data collection that I've collected on calves in our milk program and we just made the decision about a year, almost a year and a half ago, to bring all of our heifers at home. So everybody's on site now, and so that's a 10-year goal that has made it full circle. <clears throat> For a three-year picture, I would love to be able to add on to our last barn. It's only partway done, 
And the only thing that's holding us back from that is we ship to land of lakes, and so we need more base. In order to get more base, you have to purchase more base, and that's just not the best financial decision for our farm right now. We're going to be doing what we do best and making sure that we make the best of what we have now, and hopefully eventually in the future be able to do that. And then I believe there will probably be a little bit more of shift in management decisions as my dad takes a little bit more of a step back and more so myself will probably take that role as making um, some more of those management decisions. So for our marketing strategy, our biggest focus is the core values. And like I talked about before, people, animals, and environment. So on the people side, what can we do better to help our employees do the best that they can do? And so we have monthly meetings. We'll do milk quality meetings or calf meetings, herd meetings. We want to make sure that our employees or our farm family is trained to the best of their ability. If they're not doing their job properly, it's our fault because we didn't train them to their ability. So we want to really make sure that we're focusing on that. And then on the animal side of things, we've made a lot of investments in cow health and cow comfort. And so one of those things just recently, we purchased the cow manager system. So we're really focusing on overall cow health and reproduction. But also we designed the positive pressure hybrid barn on our farm. And so that has taken our cow comfort to a whole new level. And then we do a lot of paired housing. We have an advanced calf feeding program, so the growth rates and less than half percent death loss on calves has really helped ramp up our heifer program and just overall ending quality of our herd. And then on the environmental side, we're part of a water quality group, and so being a part of that group has really helped us find out different ways to take care of our land that feeds our animals and really invest in time and practices to make sure that we're doing that to the best of our ability. And then we also do some direct to consumer beef sales. So we raise our own beef and sell that locally. And so that's also a marketing strategy for us. So for our one year plan, uh, my husband and I in the next year and a half or so will be moving into the farmhouse and so we'll be taking on a few more management responsibilities with that as well. And then I, like I said, we brought our heifers back home so it's a new experience for us and we, I personally want to make sure that I'm doing the best that I can and taking all, being a sponge and learning everything I can to make sure that we're doing the heifer raising to our best of our ability. And so that was definitely a year goal for me. And then we want to do a neighborhood party. And so like I said, investing in our community, we want to keep your community members connected. So being able to have a farm tour, um, a farm meal, and allow them to ask questions, share concerns, anything that we can do to keep them connected to our business. For our rocks, I would say the biggest one, continue to push for profitability but also what's going to do that for us and which is something that we live by at the farm is finding faster, easier, smarter, better ways of doing things. And so some examples of that would be bringing our heifers back home. So on the profitability side, we're going to increase the size of our animals. So we've now implemented a new breeding strategy to make sure that we're optimizing when our heifers are being bred and we're basing that more on size of the animal rather than age of the animal. 
So we've really implemented a lot of different practices in place for that. And by improving that overall size of the animal is also going to help. Now we've had that data to understand that it will help increase milk production in first through third lactation animals. <coughs> An example of smarter, faster, easier, better way of doing things by bringing our animals home, we're improving our repro of our herd, having our heifers back on site. We've almost tripled our conception rate on our heifer program. And right now our current preg rate is 45%. We're hoping to increase that and do a better job. And we also have a lot of our team members, we have two team members right now that are trained on breeding. So we're doing almost all in-house breeding as well. On the environmental side of things, we do a lot of no-till. There's a variety of different environmental practices that are put in place that we've learned through whether it's our water quality group or community members and just trying to overall improve the quality and the quantity of the crops that we're harvesting. And then we have about over 40 financial benchmarks to help us determine our financial performance. And so by doing that, we graph about 25 charts or so on a monthly basis. And so some examples of those charts that we're going to graph, repo, animal health, utter health, everything that's on that list and more. And so we set those benchmarks or use those charts to see how we're doing as a dairy, where are some areas of opportunity that we can improve. So that has really helped us. And if you don't measure it, you can't manage it. So we want to make sure that we have those as an option to be able to manage it. Some issues that are going to keep me from applying some of these things to our dairy industry or into our farm is, I think, the biggest one, profitability. Obviously, it's less profitable to produce milk right now, but I think one of the biggest things for us or biggest setbacks is being able to, or to purchase more base, and so that's a big setback for us as well. And then I think consumer preference is also going to play a huge role, not only in our dairy industry, but also in our farm. And we have to do what the consumer wants in order for them to buy our product. As sad as that sounds, it's real. And I think some of those things that they want are going to trickle down into our operations. And so we need to make sure that we stay ahead of that. And I'm really passionate about telling our story and for the industry and outside of the industry. And I think that's one big thing that we as an industry can do a better job of is sharing our story and allowing people to see what really happens on our farm each and every day. Next, hear from Paul Lippert, a partner with his dad and brother in Grass Ridge Farms, a 600-cow dairy in Pittsville, Wisconsin. Core values, we talked about that. Cows and people come first, hand in hand. We like to empower people. We like to hire people that we know are good with cows. It's one of the first things I ask people is, do you actually like working with cows? And do you have experience with it? Sometimes people don't have experience. And I say, if you work here, a month or two months and you figure you don't like cows, like I want to be the first person that knows that. And I spend a lot of time, since we are a smaller dairy at 600 cows, I still can directly manage people and I can directly interact with people and make sure that they understand our culture of really taking care of the animal. People mimic what they see and who they work with and we've spent a long time building a strong culture and they know that even if we're having a bad day or a stressful situation or something like that, that we're calm around the cattle and we treat them with the respect they deserve. And we really see that come through in our employees, that they, they never see anybody fly off in the handle or, or, or become agitated or anything like that. And they really see that culture propagating itself. And that's something we're really proud of. And then quality before quantity. We milk 600 cows. 
We could probably milk a thousand in the parlor we have. We're just really focused on doing everything the right way before we do more of it. I think we do want to milk a few more cows, maybe form a little more land, but we need to get it right before we do more of it. Core values. I really liked her core values. Mine are not as well thought out, but it says agility on here. Since we are 600 cows and since I am day-to-day -day in charge along with my father, we try to be really nimble and make changes when they need to be made. We don't have to consult as many family members as you would on some dairy. And I don't have the agronomy guy or the, the machinery guy or the cow guy. They're all upstairs between my father and I, which he obviously is very important, but he's very progressive. So we tend to be in the same mind when it comes to most of those things. And so just being nimble and making changes when they need to be made as far as uh, marketing strategy or what have you and just where the business is going. And then we're just obviously aiming for sustainability, environmental sustainability, dairy farming in 10, 20 years sustainability, sustainability from a work-life balance type of thing. I think my dad questions that sometimes. I don't know, maybe he's never valued that as much as, that's a, maybe a younger generation thing, but when I see my brother and I don't even know what continent he's on, I want to have a little bit of free time sometimes. There we are to the quality of life. When my parents decided to milk more cows back in 2000, when we expanded from 40 to 600, not 600, it was 300, and we had business partners, and then there was a rough patch there where they thought they were going to milk more cows and life was going to be better, and it really wasn't what it was. And I saw my parents go through that, and I saw them go through that with their business partners that we don't have anymore, actually. Some rough patches, and, but that was always the core focus, is that if you have employees, your quality of life should be a little bit better. You should have time to do other things. I don't have children now, but I'd like to be able to go to all of their events and stuff like that, or Dairy Bowl. Yes, that's like the most important thing, just about dairy bowl, cow shows, all that kind of stuff. So the focus is not just doing it really well, but having people at home that are empowered so that I can be here watching the cow show and talking to all you fine people. Obviously making more milk. We are registered Holstein people. We want to know that we make as much milk as anybody, but do it profitably. But we believe we are breeding the kind of cow that can do that and then really focusing on the agronomy side of things. Like I said, we farm in kind of a tough place, so we focused more on tiling and how we manage our ground rather than milking more cows right now because we think that's the bottleneck. And I don't know if I've said that anywhere, but that's one of my big strategies is always like focus on your bottleneck. I am only one person. We don't have a lot of other like high-end managers on the dairy, so we gotta focus on what, where my time is the most needed. Okay, 10-year target. To continue to be daring where we are at with slow sustainable growth to keep us competitive in the marketplace. We all know the marketplace is changing fast. I have neighbors that think we milk a lot of cows, but I know that 600 is not, not anything large or extremely competitive in the commodity market we're in. We do believe there's a place for us. I think there's a place for all size dairies. I, like, I truly believe that. There's multiple ways to do things. We're just trying to do it as as methodically as we can to continue to stay profitable and we think that some growth is going to be in, involved with that. We have hurdles that would, wouldn't allow us to milk a ton more cows and honestly I'm not sure if I want to manage people that manage people. I like managing cows and managing my employees directly. That's just who I am right now at least. And we talked about the work-life balance thing. Optimize the current milking parlors. So that'd be a few more hundred cows than we have now. Obviously interest rates, so on and so forth, are, and quotas, that's the thing we don't even think about. Sometimes that's a new thing to all of us, or a lot of us, right? As foremost, we technically have a base too. It's not quite as, we don't have to purchase one, but we don't know if they're gonna 
we have a request on a stack of papers in somebody's office and we don't know if we're going to get it or not. That obviously could change things drastically too if that were not to happen. But we're also always talking to other processors. When COVID happened, we were about seven days away from switching processors and then that happened and they haven't had room for that kind of milk since then. And honestly, hindsight is probably the right decision to stay where we were at, but we're always working those contacts and seeing if any of the more local, more niche cheesemakers may have an interest in our milk in the future. And then as far as being in a position to diversify, that's where my brother comes in, always keeping an eye on. So is genetics, is that going to be our niche if we're not going to milk a ton of cows? Specialty milk markets, if they're making a lot of A2A2 milk, fluid milk locally, are they going to need more of that kind of thing? Are they going to want to, as far as for our processors, are they going to need more metrics of sustainability? Boxes that maybe you feel like you're checking, but really we know we're just proving the things we already do on a dairy and that we're doing them really well. Maybe that makes us a more preferred milk producer than somebody else down the road if we're, you know, being forward thinking and doing new processes and efficiency or methane reduction or whatever, that whole new world of carbon credits. Three-year picture. Man, the work-life balance keeps coming in here. I apologize. I must have talked about it a lot. We got to take a trip to Norway and Sweden this summer, my fiancé and I, for European Dairy Farmers Conference through PDBW. I don't think she'd ever left the farm for 14 days before. I have not that long since I was in college, but if we were going to go over the pond, we were going to stay for a while. And I think she was really nervous about it, and I think it was really eye-opening for her when we came home and everything was okay, everybody was happy. And just meeting dairy farmers from other parts of the world and just that different take on how they view life, work-life balance in different countries was really eye-opening and very good. And I think it's, a, it's an okay thing. Sometimes we, we think it's not okay, and it really is. Obviously, more milk per cow. Not milk, but combined fat and protein. That's a big goal here in the next few years, which is always a goal for us. We like old cows. We want to sell the two-year-olds and save the old cows. We have sand bedding. We've designed the facilities to match the cow, and we really focus on breeding the kind of cow that we think we can last. We want to have one of those herds where we have a lot of third, fourth, fifth, sixth lactation cows that are really paying the bills, the kind of cows you love to work with. And obviously any cow that lasts longer, that's just another cow that you can sell as a two-year-old and is a profit. And then as far as the agronomy side of thing, we still deal a lot with manure tankers, and I... We don't ever want to do that kind of thing ourselves, but finding a custom operator that will join me on this journey of trying to reduce compaction and doing a lot more low-till type stuff has, has been a struggle and we're still trying to find that right fit. Marketing strategy. So we talked about sustainability metrics as far as with a processor. We've done some stuff with the Nature Conservancy and National Milk. We're doing like a feeding trial right now. We don't know how it's going to turn out yet. It's not the seaweed one, it's a different one. It's a like a microbial to improve the feed efficiency, basically. Something that works for us and works for reducing carbon emissions. And then, obviously, keeping our cell count under 100,000. And seven is the number for fat and protein right now, but hopefully soon it's seven and a half. We use a lot of marketing strategies. Risk management is huge for us, right? We always put a floor in our milk. We never put a ceiling on our milk. That's us personally. And then we like to book a lot of our inputs so that we know what our margin looks like going forward. And then the genetic sides, trouble-free, good-looking cows, because people don't buy the ugly cows. They want them to look, they like pretty two-year-olds. They just got to be pretty two-year-olds that know what they're in the barn to do. Efficiencies, so that's technology. Someday we'd like to do the cow manager, the pedometer type of thing. Every acre I can tile, I tile before I've invested any pedometers, but... Hopefully we'll do that eventually and then we can move on to the next thing. 
<clears throat> we have the pen of jerseys. We're always evaluating whether that really is the right fit, whether it's just a, we like having brown cows or whether they really pay the bills. In the high fat price environment we are right now, they're almost neck and neck with the Holsteins, but most of the time they don't quite look like they fit on paper because uh, Jersey takes the same room in the parlor as a Holstein does. So that's always an issue we struggle with. But always, and then the milk app, that's the app we use for feeding our cows, really helps us track how the feeders are doing and inventory and really makes us more efficient on that end of things. And then just one-year goals in here. I'm hoping to do the American Bergebiner Ski Race in February. That's my big personal goal. I'm actually running a half marathon on Sunday, which is absolutely nuts. I can't imagine that I would have been doing that six months ago. But that's I have peers that are doing that kind of thing, and I'm along for that ride, and that's just trying to prove to myself we can run a profitable dairy farm, but we can also do other things to take care of ourselves. And then we're working through this transition of this cross-fed barn. It actually was a deal of Val Robot barn that went up for sale, and there's actually not enough water there to milk cows, so we're raising heifers there. And so that's a whole new thing for us, cross-fed mattresses. The heifers have always been at home. We're just trying to improve the efficiency of that part of uh, our operation. Okay, rocks. I, have a, I would like to have a fall party as well. Usually that should have been in September, but we didn't know when we were making corn silage because of the drought, so we never got it scheduled. So hopefully we're going to do that sooner than later. That's why our big have our employees here, also have our neighbors, have some of our renters, get them all in the room together so they're not these separate parties that don't know a lot about each other. Just because we speak different languages doesn't mean that we can't join together. And we usually get like a taco truck or something like that, and that's usually, usually a, a big hit. We actually made a point of bringing all the employees down to Expo this week. The Half the milkers came on Tuesday with me, and then another half came yesterday, and then I get to come down here today. Just always trying to spend time with the employees. We do, every six months, we do reviews with each individual employee. Sometimes we fail at the meetings every month. I'm really jealous. We, should, we need to be better at that. We have them when we need them, but I know that the reviews we have every six months with every employee, really, that's a connection point. And I have a guy on the farm that I'm really lucky to have that translates really well, so we can get a little bit deeper than just like, how are you, I'm good, with the Spanish-speaking employees. That's really important. Keeping long-term employees motivated, keep the job working for, for them. And then markets, that's what we're just worried about, interest rates, input costs, where's the milk market going, and all this quota stuff that's new to all of us. Water availability, we don't have any water under the ground in Pittsville, it's all on top of the ground. So we couldn't milk 3,000 cows if we wanted to. We have seven wells. And then, and then just the cropping, the drainage, cover crops, doing all that stuff right before we had more cows. And our third panelist who shared his answers to the eight questions for moving his dairy farm forward was Nathan Weiss from Weiss Dairy Farm in West Rosendale, Wisconsin. Nathan owns the 200 cow dairy in partnership with his father and mother. Here's what he had to say. So yeah, I'd say the core values is everything. You got to be profitable. You got to be sustainable with your land and cattle because that's what makes you profitable. And then the performance with milk quality and production is, like I say, we I can improve our production, but our quality because I we'd always struggle with butterfat at our farm for years, and now I've, I'm always I'm usually hitting that seven or no seven yeah seven I'm hitting. Yeah, and like I say, I want like him. I want to get to that seven and a half. That would be my next step, and then maybe hit a hundred pounds. And then yeah, the community. I don't do any of that it's stuff. I wrote. I got notes when they said to have like meetings with or have parties for your community and stuff. And I know my community because I'm like them guys. It's we're a small community. It's a small area. I'm like almost everyone. I graduated. A lot of people that still live there. Everyone knows 
our family, because my mom's from the same, so everyone knows her side, my, or my dad's side, so everyone knows us, but it's, I'd say that's probably one thing, that's probably one of the most important things, is just being respected by everyone in my community. I don't want to be known that he's, a, he's not a good guy, and I want my family to be known in the community as good people. I guess, yeah, like, I got high-quality milk, and then a constant improvement towards that goal would be, like, through nutrition, cow care. And I'd say they talked about the cow manager. I've had that cow manager system for, this would be seven years now. And that's probably one of the best things, one of our best investments we ever made. It took me probably a year and a half to convince my dad to spend the money but it ended up, it ends up saving, it probably, I bet you we paid for it within a year or two because it's hard to believe how a little tag in a cow's ear can read all that stuff. It's amazing. And then we ship our milk to Agripeer, which is a big cheese producer, and they do a lot of specialty cheese, which was nice to get involved with. We started shipping to them right before COVID, so we never had to dump any milk. We never had no quotas, no nothing. And we haven't talked about expansion with them, but they basically told us, because we asked them when we switched, and they said we, they just want us to communicate with them if we were going to expand. So a 10-year target's kind of tough one, because you know, I'm older than these two over here. So my 10-year target is probably going to depend on a lot of if my kids want to come back to the farm. If they don't, that's their choice. Can't force them to farm. I wish they would, because... It would mean the world to me, but if my farm ends, it ends. It's, that's life. My family's most important to me than the farm, because if I don't have them, I won't do what I did. Because that's one of my other goals. I want my kids to have a good life. I want to have a good life. So on a 10-year target, if they would want to come back, I would probably really, because I don't think our labor market's going to get anybody in this country. So I'd probably really consider... We've been, me and my dad have talked about robots probably for the last three years, but that would probably be in that 10-year target if my kids would want to come back to the farm. That would be, like, probably the thing. Yeah, then it's, yeah, that's, uh, 10 years is, I don't like looking. I try to go day at a time, but I know you got to set goals and stuff. But So a three-year picture, I would want to expand because we've been talking about expanding for, but it always seems we put it off because of, Price the milk price drops, or just don't think it's the right time. And yeah, you got to do it so you can make sure you're going to be profitable because you don't want to do it. And then all of a sudden you're struggling, and then you end up not having a dairy barn or not farming. But my probably my what I definitely want to do in three years. I want to. That's probably the lacking part of our farm is a transition barn because we built a so we built the parlor. Then we built a shop, which. That was my dad's dream, was the shop. And I got, now that he, we have it built, I love it because <laughs> I take care of my equipment better. But then my mom, she's the calf feeder, so we built, that's I think six years now ago, we built an automatic calf, a robot barn for the calves. And so I think the next trend, the next is my turn, so I think I want to add a transition barn. And that's where, then the bankers don't like transition barns or calf barns because they don't, they don't say it makes any money, but it does make you money. But. But yeah, that's where we're struggling is from the dry cow period to the calving. Because I got them out on a pasture. They're in a lean-to barn. It's not the best ventilation. It, it's terrible when it's hot and it's terrible when it's cold. So I'd like to have them all under a roof where I can control that. And there's always, you always want to acquire more land. But 
we don't, our land by us is so expensive because we got pretty good land. But yeah, I'd always, that's one goal I'd always like to do is acquire more land. So the marketing strategy, once again, quality milk. It's probably the most important thing for a dairy farmer is that quality milk. And then yeah, the last three, four, probably since COVID, I've gotten involved in, when I was younger, we always raised steers. And that's the house I live in is off the farm a little ways and we had a barn there, but you ask my kid, it's fallen into a heap and he's got his wiffle ball field on it now. <laughs> but so then we got rid of the steer. We raised our bull calves about 400 pounds, 500 pounds the last 15, 20 years. So we'd sell them to a local guy and then he raises them up. And so actually, yeah, if I go to the bar in our town, I could be eating some of our beef cattle because that's where he sells them to them. But I've been doing it the last three or four years, raising a few beef cattle and then selling them to the, and then I got, yeah, I've been selling them to, my wife knows, finds people that wants halves or quarters, and then I've been selling hamburger and stuff out of my freezer, out of the shop. And then the, I guess, Mark, the managing risk part, that's something I need to improve upon. That's, my dad takes care of that, and he's the financial guy. It's probably two things I need to get more involved in. I know what's going on, but I'm not, I'm more the doer, I'm not the thinker. I just want to do my job and do it as well as I can, but that's, and that's just, that whole, and I've gotten involved more of it in the last couple of years, and it just frustrates me because it's so volatile. You can't figure out what, you look at the milk or the crop prices and why is it going down, why is it, then all of a sudden it goes up. It doesn't make any sense, we just, it's so hard to figure out. So yeah, the one year, I guess I would, yeah, I want to increase that, selling the beef, keep improving that milk quality. Yeah, and, then the, yeah, and then I guess, and then just small capital improvements. The last August, we bought a new mixer. So that was, I've always had bought used mixers, and I finally got a new one. Took me a few years to convince, or 10 years to convince my dad, just buy a new one. So we got that, and I actually switched to a vertical mixer instead of horizontal, so that was a change for me. And first week or two, I wanted to go back, but I'm liking it now, it's a lot better. And we've, so we're, you've seen in the picture, we got, we got a concrete pad for piles, but then we do a lot of bags. I would love to get rid of them bags. I want more concrete as far as I can see so I can just pile everything because we don't have any concrete for the bags. It's on dirt. And I hate dealing with mud. I hate water. The water's only good to feed, cat, feed cows so that they can drink. Other than that, I don't like drinking water. I drank too much already today. I'd rather drink soda, which isn't good, but... I drink enough milk too, but I'm saying it's hard to take a milk in a tractor. It's usually a soda, which my wife says I should cut down. But and then the rocks, yeah, we just got the new mixer, and they always one of my good one of my goals is always to put up good quality forage. That's I'd say that's helped with my agronomy part of it. We got a agronomy team that takes care of the stuff, but I'm involved in it. I write up our nutrient management plan, and I'm in there picking the seeds the seed corn and everything with my dad and we talk about it we've like everyone's the BMR we haven't we tried BMR and it just didn't fit for our dairy operation not saying it's not a good thing but I think we do a good job at putting up good quality corn silos that we don't need the BMR so that's what we decided as a team and then focusing on the employee relationship it's key and I think them I got up to the farm at four o'clock and that's every morning I'm there at four unless I'm somehow on vacation but 
And that's when they start milking. So when they walk in, they see me. And I think that's important to them because they don't see the boss. And they're like, what, what, is, what are we doing if they're not here? And they see me there all day. Yeah, I don't see the night milkers as much because usually I try to be home. But there's nights, yeah, I'm chopping corn silage and I'm pushing feed in at 9 at night and they're milking. I stop in and talk to them. Because then one, yeah, I don't see them guys as often because that's usually my sleep time. But then, yeah, I, I ask, I try and stop in. We don't have, we only got three employees, so it's hard to have a, and it's just me and my dad usually doing the, the management. And I'm, more, I'm in charge of the dairy, so my dad really doesn't do anything with the management of the employees. That's all on me. But, yeah, I stop into them, usually try and talk to them at least, probably at least three or four times a week. We really don't have meetings, but then I ask them what they need, what they want. And I found out through, I can say that the app for the translation on a phone is amazing because <laughs> I can't speak a lick of English or Spanish, <laughs> or I guess either one. But yeah, it's hard to believe that you can talk into a phone and they can understand you. And I didn't know for years because my mom would always, we'd go to the local grocery store and that was before all the COVID stuff. You'd spot, like before Thanksgiving, you'd spend so much money, they'd give you a, a turkey. So she would go there and we give the employees a turkey, each one of them. And we do it every year, then all of a sudden one year, I can't think, someone, one of their, they had a stop that could, they never told me because they, they thought they'd make me feel bad. So they, I found out through a guy they talked to that they don't eat turkey. I'm like, why would you not eat turkey? It's delicious, but they want pork and beef. They don't want turkey. So then from then on, that's, I asked them, so I give them ground beef, I'll give them venison. And I didn't know if they had venison, so I gave them some venison once, and. The next day, I asked him, like, how'd the venison go? It's gone. Can we have more? I'm like, yeah, I got plenty. I just got to make sure I can keep shooting deer. Yep, and then, the, yeah, the issues, it's always going to be the, the policy at the Washington level and the state level. And I've been down to Washington, talked to the people. It's, it's frustrating. I'm, I'd say besides farming, politics is probably one of my other passions. I don't know why, but... Because I sat in the tractor and as a kid, I was the weird kid. I was listening to Rush Limbaugh on the radio instead of listening to music. But I've always, it's something intrigued me. And when I went to Washington, it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. It was just to see all the sights too was. But yeah, that policy, I'd say one of the big things we need to fight for is getting that, I, gotta, I can't think of the actual, it's H1. Eight, yeah, we need to get that switch so it's not for seasonal work. It's for full year-round work so that deep. These, they just want to come here and work. Give them a visa. That's what we need to work on. There you have it. Three Young Cooperator members and the three perspectives they shared during the NMPF Young Cooperator session at World Dairy Expo on how they are strategically thinking in order to move their dairy farms forward and the specific actions they are taking to get where they want to be, not just in their business, but also in their personal lives. And I believe taking the time to write these things down and talk about them is a differentiating factor between being busy and actually being productive. It's helped me in my business to gain more focus and clarity. It's helped make decision-making easier. It saved me time and helped me to learn how to generate more income. And it can do the same thing for you too. So take a moment and write down these eight questions and reference them in our show notes. And again, these eight questions are, number one, what are your core values? Number two, what is your core focus? Meaning what are you selling and what is your niche? Number three, what is your 10-year target, your bigger picture for your business? What are you really working toward? Question number four, what is your three-year picture? How will your business look three years from now? 
Number five, what is your marketing strategy, including how do you position your product in the marketplace and how are you protecting your profitability? Question number six, what is your one year plan, the specific targets and smart goals you want to hit in the next 12 months? Number seven, what are your priorities in the next 90 days, which will get you closer to your one year plan goals? And question number eight, what are your rocks, the issues that could get in the way? Now, simply just taking the time to start writing these things down, to get them out of your head and onto paper. It may not be perfect the first time, but at least starts to give you a path and a compass for being able to think strategically about your business and where you want to be. So thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Uplevel Dairy Podcast. And be sure to head over to upleveldairy.com to join the Uplevel Dairy community and our email list so you can receive notifications of new episodes in your inbox. Thank you for joining us on the Uplevel Dairy Podcast.